Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it cuts and it moves asunder with us and helps us to understand better that which we're pursuing, even as we pursue to prepare the way within a calling and an anointing. Father, you be glorified. And Lord, as you and only you can do it through your Holy Spirit, let whatever is said be a message specifically to the heart of the person that has that special yearning, that special need, no matter how it comes out. Let it, Father, be custom tailored for who they are and what they need at this hour and this moment, according to your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I start, <clears throat> I just wanted to share with you what one of my relatives sent to me. Um, and so if we could put the, the light down a moment, and I think you'll enjoy this. Huh? It's just a little, little, little thing, little thing. Turn it up loud, please. By telling you a story. But a guy that goes to his rabbi and says, Rabbi, you never believe what happened to me. My son left the house and became a Christian. The rabbi said, shh. You never believe what happened to me. My son left the house too and became a Christian. So what do we do? We pray to God. They prayed to God and God said, you never believe what happened to me. Yeah, it's uh, Cousin Shmuley. Yeah, you never believe what happened to me, right? Bless God. Well, as I was praying more, asking the Lord how we should pursue this, I began a download, and uh, it's, it's already been bound into this many pages. And I'm specifically dealing with the, the prepare the way anointing because that's the threshold we crossed. And that's the threshold that the body of Christ and the church has crossed, some aware and some unaware, which is not unusual. Many, many times, most of the times when there have been shifts in the kingdom of God, there's been a few that perceive the shift and the majority that do not. And the few that do, God uses mightily to begin to prepare the way for what he wants to do. In this instance, I believe that there's no greater calling on earth this day for those who love their God and hear their God and uh, are here on this earth right now than to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And there are many different messages that are going out right now. And while a great number of people sense that we've shifted into what are being referred to as many as the end times, uh, their focus is on the end times. Their focus is on what are the signs of the end times. Their focus is on not so much as what do we do, but what is happening in the end times. And you know, it's a very popular theme right now, right? I've told you before, if you're just looking for themes and you want to <clears throat> put a book out there or sell a lot of something or be accepted, the first thing you do is talk about heaven. You know, books about heaven, everybody loves them and they go for them. And then the next thing you do is you begin to move into the prophetic as pertains to either the rapture or the end times and then everybody jumps on those. And these things go in cycles. Since I came to the Lord back in 1980, I've been hearing about the end times and <clears throat> I've been hearing about the rapture. And I've been hearing about a lot of things that in essence, they, they throw a little bit of a cloud over us because 
we get distracted. But there's always a season when God begins to accomplish that which he has said he would. Now, all of the signs in that are there. We won't spend time on those right now. Yes, the signs are pointing to us to the fact that the Lord is coming and he's coming soon. But what are we to do? Are we to be enamored with the signs? Are we to bash people about repentance so that we chase them away? Or are we to relish and operate with an understanding and what the anointing is that God is pouring out right now? For every vision God gives, there's a provision. And the provision can be material. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all these other things and supply what you need. But it's also spiritual. And the difference between the prepare the way from the wilderness the first time, as John the Baptist and, of course, the prophets before him with Isaiah, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi, a lot of them pointed towards the first coming of the Lord. They did not have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a community body. The Holy Spirit had not yet been released on the earth. Jesus had not yet been resurrected. The difference this time is that we are messengers who have the, the, the benefit, and not only the benefit, but the supernatural grace and power of his Holy Spirit, of Holy Spirit. So in essence, God knew what he was doing, of course, and now we've crossed a threshold, which is a whole series that we did, but we prophesied it and it happened, and then we came forward. Last night, as I was preparing to turn in, um, something came up on my phone. I don't know how that happens. <clears throat> and it was an interview I had done with Steve Strang back in uh, late August, coming into September of 2020. And if you recall, um, that was just before the last presidential election, and it was just before Sukkot and, and Simkatora, which is in September. In fact, it was starting September 16th, which happened to be my birthday. And he had asked me to do a, an interview, and that interview was saying, what's the Lord telling you now because of all this tension and apprehension with COVID and the election and what's going on? And some of you who were here, you will recall that <clears throat> I had released a, a prophetic word about the Hezekiah blast. And the Hezekiah blast was that there was a time when Hezekiah was told that he was going to die, but the Lord turned that prophecy around and gave him life. And I won't get into the whole teaching, but it was the Hezekiah blast. And I had just released that word the week before, and he apparently had heard it. He said he had listened to it, and he wanted me to release that on the charisma broadspan of, of all of his uh, followers and that. So as we got into it, and we got into a lot of things, um, this is what the Hezekiah blast prophetically spoke out. And it said that the Lord has heard the, the voices of the unborn children crying out. The 60 million killed in this country and millions of more, hundreds of millions more killed throughout the earth. And that the Lord was gonna keep his word true that there would be a third Supreme Court justice appointed. Now, at that time, in September, and, uh, and you know, the election was in November, and <clears throat> typically, when you get that close, if there is a vacancy in the Supreme Court, the, uh, the president makes no appointment. 
they wait for the next president to come on board. But the Lord said it would happen. And then we know what happened. Uh, one of the Supreme Court justices suddenly passed away, and the existing president, the president at that time, broke tradition, and he decided that he was going to appoint the third Supreme Court justice, which, by the way, crossed over the election. So in the natural realm, it wasn't going to happen. In the natural realm, it, there, there was no way for that to take place at that time, now, when I first gave that prophecy, it was back in 2016 on November 9th, right after the first election, when Donald Trump was elected. And Lord had me give many prophecies, and I said he will appoint three Supreme Court justices. Well, the first one wasn't a big deal because that one, uh, President Obama didn't appoint because he left it open for the next president, as is a tradition. The second one, you know, maybe not a stretch. There'd be another one coming. The third one, a big stretch. The third one, with only 45 days left in a presidency, was a huge stretch, but God did it. And he did it because he heard the cries of the unborn children. And I, and I didn't want to deviate into this today, but I have to say that he's still hearing those cries. And now we see the backlash because what the Supreme Court did was put it back in the states. I want to remind you what else I said back in 2016 and uh, I reiterated in that interview with Strang in, in late August, and then I, and I reiterated it again after the Supreme Court ruled and struck down Roe versus Wade, and that threw it back to the states. What the Lord had me say was, now it's up to the states, and how the states react is how he will judge. Let's not forget that word. God is, God is a God of grace, and he'll give every opportunity for people to repent. But I'll tell you something. Even Jesus is whispering in his ear at the right hand, suffer not the children. The Lord has a very, very serious heart when it comes to children. I think one of the greatest crimes on earth is, is abuse and, and killing of children because they haven't even had a chance yet. They're innocent. They're just born and they don't, have a, they don't have any decision in their circumstances. And so in this instance, you know, I'm gonna be releasing some things soon now. The Lord has told me to reactivate. And I laid down Shield for a couple years because I really didn't feel the inclination to chase prophecies as many were doing, but now there's things to say. And uh, we'll be releasing that as we begin to transfer that from strictly potash shield into prepare the way. And to prepare the way is a magnet. And there's things we need to understand and know about this anointing, which are all based firmly in the word of God. This whole ministry, everything we do, for years, even while I was finding my way in it, it is to build upon the firm foundation of the word with fresh revelation. We receive fresh revelation. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He gives us fresh revelation based upon the Word of God. Revelation without the Word of God is not the spiritual move of God. That's some other move. But when it's in the firm foundation of the Word of God and the revelation is proven true and the one that presents it is proven accurate, then we have what is a combination of the Word of God with the declaration of God real time. And, and, and we, if, 
if you go through a lot of the things that we uh, practiced and received over the last couple years was the timeless mindset with the threshold. We need a timeless mindset. We need not to be stuck in time looking at things only in the present now because God is eternal. The spirit is eternal. And that's how we receive faith. And that's how we have the hope which is the sub, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of which is not seen, because we're shooting into eternity, into the next level. Same way right now with the prepare the way anointing. There's a, an anointing that's released on the earth, and, and I want to begin to deal with some of those and bring them real time and then also pull away. I wrote to you <clears throat> on the e-blast that the Spirit is pouring out. A fresh fountain is opening and the Spirit is pouring out. Well, that fountain is the fountain of David that was written of in Zechariah. We'll get to that. And it's a fountain that comes out in the last days that pours out a Spirit to wash away uncleanliness. Now see, we believe, and, and we believe so accurately, but, but it's a different pouring out now than there was prior to it. We believe that you know, we need to preach the gospel, which we should, and we need to, repeat, we need to preach repentance which we should, but now there's an anointing that's pouring out, and a fountain of David is opened up for cleansing, and that fountain of David means that it's coming from the kingdom in heaven. You know, our Father who art in heaven, let thy kingdom come here on earth even as it is in heaven. And it's a Davidic throne, the throne that even Jesus was set upon. So that Davidic throne is a transfer from heaven to earth. The Davidic throne is eternal, God promised him that he would have someone on that throne forever, and Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise of the Davidic throne. And so we see that pouring out, and that fountain of David, it has deep roots, deep calls to deep, and it's pouring out upon the earth right now. So there's a spiritual anointing that hasn't poured out before. The fountain of David was never opened up until now when we crossed that threshold. And when we cross that threshold, if our eyes open up and we begin to see, we'll see that just like any fountain that you turn on, it doesn't immediately begin to spray. It may begin to gurgle and bubble a little bit, depending on the strength of that fountain. And then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until it's widespread and fanning out. And we're in that gurgling phase. It's beginning to gurgle, but it's beginning to spread out in the atmosphere. There's something about the praise, the prepare the way anointing. It changes the atmosphere. And if you're a carrier of the calling and you're moving in that, then, then you're going all the way back to Genesis 1:26, when the Lord said, let us make man, both male and female, in our image, and then gave dominion over everything else. You see, we haven't done a very good job of, of in the authority of operating in the dominion that God has given us. If we have, then we wouldn't have all the issues we have in the world today. So that's the responsibility of the church. Now, yes, evil is strong, and the evil kingdom is intensifying because the enemy knows, that the enemy of your soul, the devil knows his time is short. He sees all the signs. He hears all the words. He sees the movements in the heavenly places. He sees the movements on earth. He hears the callings that God is putting out. Yes, evil is strong, and the systems of the world which are embedded with that kingdom are strong. And so we find ourselves fighting the systems of the world, the evil kingdom, in our own flesh. First, before we can fight anything else, we have to overcome our flesh, and we only do that in the power of the Lord, and we need to practice that and continue to do that. 
But then we need to step out. And if you're stepping out in the, in the power to prepare the anointing, I want to caution you, but also I want to, to, to invite you that you're stepping into the front line. When John the Baptist went out into the wilderness, and he had no idea why he was out there. He went out and preached a message to the birds and the bees and a couple trees. And he was telling people to come and repent because the kingdom of God was coming. He didn't even really understand what the kingdom of God was. Because at that time, the Judeo thought was that that would be the Messiah coming as a warrior. And he would set them free from, from the, 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 the grasp of Rome. And, and that he would again establish his people, Israel, on the throne in Jerusalem. Now, he might have had a prophetic understanding that was a little better than everybody else, but had he really understood it, he would have known who Jesus was, who was his cousin who he played with for years, who he ran into Egypt with their family to hide when Herod was going to kill them all, and even probably there were at each other's bar mitzvahs. They probably went to the weddings together. They probably had Passover, Pesach together. Families did that. They probably went up to Jerusalem together to, to do the sacrifices at the temple, but he didn't really know who he was. Because, you see, you could be so close to the movement in the time of God and still not see what it is. But we have the Holy Spirit. And we not only have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God. And we have the Word of God that begins in Genesis and concludes in Revelation. And embedded in that is all the truth that we need to know here and now. So I'd like to, to just deal with some different areas. And we're not going to get to very much today but just open this up so that we understand. A fresh fountain is opening and the Spirit is pouring out and brooding over the wilderness. I'd like us to go to Genesis 1 a moment so that we understand what it means when the Holy Spirit begins to brood. When you go, we start reading in Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. That's a wilderness. A wilderness is something where there really isn't anything that's vital life. A wilderness is like a desert in one essence. In another essence, what I'll show you is that wilderness is also from the same Hebrew word that says speak. So when you go to the wilderness, it's a place to speak. And why would God send people to the wilderness? Because there is where you speak life. You don't need to speak life where there's life, right? You need to speak life where there's no life. You don't need to speak life into something that's already fully created. You need to speak it into the void. And so God is calling us to prepare the way in the wilderness and to cry out from the wilderness because there's a void and it's dark. And I wish I could tell you that it's just the world, but it's also the church. God isn't separating the church from that. He's saying, cry out, speak in the wilderness. And when we fast forward and we see where John was speaking, John, whose father was a priest, right? His father was a priest who ministered the incense in the temple in Jerusalem. That's not a, that's not a low-level position. That's a high-level priestly position to go into the temple and minister the, the incense. That comes from a bloodline. That comes from, from the bloodline of the Levites. That was something that he had to inherit and be appointed to and anointed to. So his father was a big shot. And so John had that opening. He had that understanding. 
But God didn't tell them to go into the temple. Jesus did later. But he didn't tell them to go into the temple. He took them out to a place that was void. He took them out to Samaria and Judea. And he took them to a place where the Jordan River was flowing at its highest level. And he told them to begin to cry out in that wilderness, to cry out to God. So his first preaching was to probably nobody. A few disciples that he had to pick up along the way, and they came with him. One of the first things that we'll deal with, I'm just giving you a highlight of it, is that the prepare the way anointing is a spiritual magnet. You need to accept that and understand it. The spiritual, the, the, the prepare the way anointing isn't something to be marketed like so many other messages. It's not to be marketed like the end time messages. It's not to be marketed like the messages about heaven. It's not to be marketed about the big buffet of all the specialties and the gifts in the kingdom of God. The prepare the way anointing is the very move from the Messiah through the Holy Spirit to come on earth. And that prepare the way anointing is a magnet. And that's just what happened with John the Baptist. It was a magnet. People began to come out there. And how does it happen? One person hears and they go back and tell another person. They see a shift and a change in their heart and their life. They bring somebody else back. And pretty soon the multitude grows. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of God. Not by the business of ministry, but by the magnetism and the spiritual call of God for the time that we are in. And so John the Baptist began to have revival out in the middle of the wilderness with who? With the religious people within, if you will, the church of that time. The Jews. Those are the ones coming out. There, there might have been a few others that, that might have straggled in there, but it was a message to the Jews. And they came out. Now, some came out to see a spectacle, and others came out because the Spirit of God called them. Do you know when I first got called to the Lord, and I've shared this before, he mentioned to me that he said, the day will come when you will draw many people. Some will come to persecute you, he said. Stand strong and be ready. He said, many will come to make a spectacle of you. Stand strong and be ready. Some will come because I call them and they will be drawn to you. Be strong and be ready. And he said, some will come because they just happened upon it by chance. Be strong and be ready. You see, the call of God is a magnet. Isn't something that we market. The call of God as a magnet is when God puts you in an anointed, in an anointing place, you just release the word of God because the word doesn't return void. It's the word of God that produces the fruit. And when our faith and our heart are linked together with the word of God in the time of the calling, God moves. That's why we do well not to try and reinvent things that already happened. Azusa Street was a great breakout, but I have a lot of people who are still preaching Azusa Street. Azusa Street had good fruit and had bad fruit. How many of you know that? The good fruit was that, you know, the Spirit of God poured out. Do you know who were the people that established the call of God there in California with Azusa Street? Do you know what culture it was? The African-American culture. Yeah, it wasn't white Presbyterians and Methodists, and it wasn't Jews. It was the African-American culture that had come through persecution, had come through, had, had come through long suffering, and had come to the place where had, had found peace that where their answer was, was in the spirit of God. Not in the ministry, not in religion. Religion didn't help them. It was the spirit of God. And then out of that became Azusa Street. And then you know what came out of that? It was the church of God in Christ. 
And the church of God in Christ had both, both white and black people. But the white people in the South said, well, if we're, if we're under the banner of the church of God in Christ with African Americans, the white people won't come to church, so we need to split. It was a church split. Out of Azusa Street came a church split, but God used it. And so that's how we ended up with two denominations. Do you know what the other denomination was out of the church of God in Christ? Tell me, Cheryl. You're, you're ordained in them. Who is it? The AG. The Assemblies of God. And up till about 10, 15 years ago, they had, they had their, 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 their corporate offices in the same place in Tennessee. And, then, and they even were commingling funds, and then finally they broke them off. You see, God will use persecution and division to make his movement. We don't want to sue the street again. We, we want to be one kingdom, one people. We don't want a division. Amen. Amen. And, and so God has brought us to that place now where it's no longer male nor female nor Jew nor Greek, and we don't want to fall into what the world is saying and doing. The church can be in a much better place than it ever was before if we listen to the call of prepare the way of the Lord. And prepare the way of the Lord is for everybody who has a heart for Jesus Christ, no matter who, where, what, and when. I don't want to Susa Street again. I don't want the charismatic movement again. We're beyond that. I don't even want the Pentecostal movement again. We're beyond that. We're moving into the fresh new stuff of God to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. And all things are new, says the Lord. Old things have passed away. And, and we've talked about it. You know, old wine, right? Poured into a flask, it breaks it. You need new wine. And if you got a good fish, because Jesus gave you a miracle, just like manna from heaven, and you try to keep it beyond its time, it begins to stink. Fish doesn't age well. Fish ages terrible. Manna didn't age well. It began to stinketh, says the King James. You had to eat what it was there today because God wanted them to rely on what was new the next day, not what was the past day. And it's the same for us. We want fresh manna from heaven that we eat today because we know, come on, God's going to give us more tomorrow. But you have to distribute what you get today to get more tomorrow. Amen. And you've got to multiply what God gives you or the first fruits rot. Hmm. So we go back to Genesis 1, and here's what was happening. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. The word is brooding over the face of the waters. Here's what I want us to gleam today. God is a creator. Come on, help me out. Say it. God is a creator. Not only a, the creator. Nothing is created but that's created by him. There are people who think because they're moving in the AI that they're creating stuff. There's even one who said we're going to push it to where it goes to the levels of God. Yeah, I heard that. There was a scientist who said that. Oh my God, is he going to fall? You know, you don't challenge God in his creation. God is the creator. How does God create? Just the same way today that he did then and he still is. The Holy Spirit is hovering. Jesus Christ was raised by the dead from the same spirit that dwells in you, Romans. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead will quicken your motor bodies. When the Holy Spirit broods and hovers, there's a quickening that's going on. 
Quickening means something fast. It means taking it from the wilderness into something that's real. There's a quickening going on for the prepare the way anointing. It's a new quickening. It's the fountain of David. It's never poured out before, but it's released now. And you know what happened that day? Isn't it funny how the devil is? On that exact same day, you know why we knew it was that day? Because the Lord told us it was going to happen, number one, and we were scriptural. Number two, it was Simcha Torah. Simcha Torah is the last day of Sukkot when you're celebrating the first fruit feast with God. Come on. Celebrating the first fruit, fr- uh, f- first fruit feast. Say it. First fruit. I'm not the only, but the, the, the first fruit feast with God. Right? And in that instance, the last day, and I, and, and I shared it with you, is a celebration of the Word of God. The Torah. You hold the Torah up. I've, I've been blessed to dance with, with the rabbi, the chief rabbi of Jerusalem at the wall. And they were all praying in Hebrew, and I was praying in tongues for them. And they, I looked just like them and sounded just like them, so I was in. And we were dancing with the Torah, dancing with the Torah, dancing with the Torah. What a time. And, and let me tell you something, the Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God was there. God wasn't moved because, like, we think it was religious or the Holy Spirit does the Spirit of God was there because they were celebrating the Word of God. They didn't quite yet understand that the Word of God is the Messiah, but they were still celebrating Him. And then in between, one of their praises was was Hamashiach. Hamashiach, Hoshana, Hosanna, Hamashiach. Come Jesus, come Messiah, Hoshana. They were celebrating the Word of God. And that's what was happening in Israel on October 7th, except that the young people and those who wanted to do something counterculture to God, similar to what happened when Moses came down from the mountain and there was a golden calf. They were out with a golden calf out in the desert. Happened to be a Buddha. And they had a big Buddha there. It was a god of war, a god of death, a big one right out there. And at sundown, sunrise, right when they're supposed to in the cult, they began to celebrate that, and that's when the attack came from Hamas. Killed 12, 1,400 of them. There was a crossover that was happening in the threshold that day, Simcha Torah. We were crossing over to prepare the way, and the enemy released horrendous death and holocaust upon the people of Israel. And God couldn't protect them because they were outside the covenant. Outside the covenant. Now, we're easy to see that, right? We can see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. Looking back, yeah, that's what happened. How about people in the body of Christ who are outside the blood covenant. Is it possible? It's called the apostate church. The apostate church. One of the areas we're going to deal with is identifying apostasy in the body of Christ today. Oh, there's a lot of people. We've all run into them. They talk Jesus. They praise Jesus. They worship Jesus. They go to church, but boy, whoo, in their private life and the stuff that's going on? Or how about the ones that are just a little slick? Just a little slick. You know, listen, you know, God loves everybody. Yes, he does. So, you know, I mean, the homosexual thing, the LGBT thing, we, we, just, we just don't want to hate people away from the body of church. Let's, let's open it up and change our rules. Let's make it so that, you know, the pastor, the priest... The Pope, huh? the Pope, a couple weeks ago. Let's just make it, and how many divisions is it causing in the body of Christ? People are coming out. Let's just say it's okay. And the leadership 
can also be gay or lesbian. That's outside the blood covenant. That's not in the blood covenant. That's apostate. And you know what that brings? It opens the gates of hell. And unfortunately, good people get caught up with bad people. Not everybody that was captured or became a hostage or was killed in that outflush on October 7th. There's a little baby that's still there yet, one year old. There was children, grandmas, Holocaust survivors, killed and killed. And, and there was a celebration. There was a baby put in a microwave in front of her family. There was another one head cut off in front of the family. There was family members dismembered, a pregnant woman, baby cut out of her. Yeah, they don't, they don't put that in the news. That's all real. That all happened. It's not just murder. It's not just murder. It's a genocide that's sick from the pit of hell. And it all broke out on the same day that we crossed the threshold to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So there's an intensification going on. And there's a brooding that's going over the face of the earth. Let's go to Isaiah 61 because I'm going to be, this is just an intro. So I'm going to leave it with this in a moment. Isaiah saw this day coming. He saw a day that the Lord prophesied through him where there would be dark and light. And he says, arise, shine. That's the clarion call to you and me after October 7th. We cross the threshold. Arise, shine. Get up and do something. Answer the call of God. And I don't want you to get frustrated because I'm going to share and we're going to work together to answer that call. You're not going to be running around like, you know, Donald Duck or Daffy, which way do I go? You're not going to have to do any of that. God's going to show us how together we can make it happen. And the magnet will grow and multiply, and the fruit, the seed, has the seed within itself. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Your light has come. You may not see it, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Glory comes to glory. You have to be a carrier of the glory for the glory to raise upon you. Jesus made sure of that. Amen? He said, Father, I pray that they have the glory that I have with you always, that they may be one even as we are one. You're a glory carrier. So the glory can rise upon you. Glory can't rise upon somebody who doesn't have glory. You could be sitting right next to somebody. You're filled with glory. They ain't got no glory. You're receiving everything God's doing, and they may as well be watching a reality TV program. They ain't got a clue. Glory goes to glory, from glory to glory. And he's glory. God, the essence of God is glory. We, we, we talked about that. We'll, we'll get into that some more. The essence of God is glory. That's who he is. He's glory. That's all we know. He's the God stuff. Give me back the glory that I have with you always, Lord. So for your light has come, arise, shine, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And that's where we're at right now. Darkness is covering the earth. All over the earth. All over the earth, it's darkness. And there's people crying for revival, but you've got to understand something. The revival isn't going to come all over the earth in darkness. The revival is going to come in spite of it. Deep darkness to people, but the Lord will rise over you. So right away, you're at enmity with a lot of the world. You don't make sense. When you get in the same room, you're shedding light and they're shedding darkness. You're shedding truth and they're shedding deceit. You're shedding serving the Lord and they're, they're shedding serving themselves and get what they can get. It's completely divided and different. You need to understand that. 
But what makes the difference is that the fountain of David is open. The fountain of David is opened up and there's a spirit for uncleanliness that's pouring out. And so now that spirit is finding its way to the people that are predestined and called for the call of God. And that's part of what we got to grasp. There's so many truths we need to grasp. But when we do, we understand, yeah, there's labors to be done. But his yoke is easy. As long as we're yoked to him, it's going to get done. When you try to do it in your own, it's not going to happen. You know, the days of, of, of just being on the street corner and yelling out, you know, repent. You might die tomorrow. Those days aren't going to work too much. They ain't going to work too much. Those aren't going to work anymore. How many of you know, who here has read the whole book of John? Right? How do you many of you know that in the book of John you will not find the word repentance? Did you know that? How many evangelists knew that? You won't find the word repentance. Go ahead, go look. I always, people challenge me when I say stuff like that. Go look. You won't find the word repentance. You know why? Because he realized you can't beat people over the head with sin. And that's why a lot of times when we got a new believer, we don't send them to the book of Job or to the Pauline epistles and the book of Romans. And, you know, we, we send them to John. We send them to John. Because in John, he loves them into the Lord. And that's part of the anointing that we have with the prepare the way anointing. It's enough grace and love that we can have thick skin. You're going to beat up one side and now the other side, persecuted, called everything that you want to be called. But you've got to have a sensitive heart. Get through that thick skin to the sensitive heart. You've got to be able to take one and be able to give back grace. Huh? Anybody here ever been a street fighter? You've got to learn to take more than one. You're going down. And in that instance, you've got to love them with grace. Love them with grace, but not love them in hell. And that's the problem. You see, the pendulum's gone too far over with the grace. We're loving people into hell. Just stay the way you are. God loves you. Doesn't matter what you're doing. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. God loves you anyway. Just make sure you're back in church on Sunday. We'll be all good. It's all good. And by the way, just so you feel good, you know, our pastor's gay too. And his daughter's a lesbian. And that's the, way, that's the way we're preaching grace today. We're loving people in hell. Hey, we all got issues with families and tissues, huh? Which one of you out there is perfect? I want to I rub up against We all want to come rub against you. We want you to go in the corner. We're all going to go and, 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 and lick your sleeves and rub up against you. Get some of that, whatever that is. Everybody's got their problems and issues in their families. Nobody's, nobody can be spared in that issue. It doesn't change who we are and what we say and what we do. We have to be firm because if we don't, who will? And so, deep darkness to people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen unto you. All right, I'm out of time. I want to start back here, if the Lord allows me, on Sunday about kinds. And maybe you can do your own little study. I've taught about it before, but now I'm bringing it to another level. Do your own little study about the word kind and kinds in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Every, every type bring forth its own kind. And then do another study about seed, herbs and plants. Let me ask you a question. 
before you get the answer. When God was created, before he put anything else on the earth, was there light? Was there light? What was there? And what did he create first? Herbs and plants. What do herbs and plants need? Photosynthesis. They need light. Then he created the light. The seed came before the light. Come on. The seed came before the light. The seed is the first fruit. Then comes the light. You're the seed. Now comes the light. Go read it. Go read it. It's called photosynthesis, right? It's got a, it, 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 it eats up the carbon dioxide and it releases oxygen. But God didn't do that first. He put the herbs and the plants there first. And then he said, and, and I want you to read this because we're going to deal with it more. He said, let every one of those have a seed within itself so it can bring forth its own kind. You have a seed in you. God put that seed in you from before the beginning of the time. Those who were predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he sanctified. Those he sanctified, he glorified. You're glorified. And you got seed. And now when you bring, oh, does she say, when you bring that light into darkness, your seed brings forth. It brings forth. It brings forth. Arise, shine. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Gross darkness in the earth, but the light is upon you. Hey! <laughs> All right. I got a lot more, but I'm not going to get to it because I see the ladies out there. And, and I see Jim Headley's already eating pizza. That's all right, Jim. No problem, brother. Just save us a little, son. Huh? You already had one, did you? I saw you back there. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. He got caught in the cookie jar. <laughs> yeah, he got caught in the cookie jar, Brother Jeff. I knew his daddy. He's just like his daddy. You, I mean, you look more and more like your daddy. Oh, yeah. You really do, man. I thought sometimes I look at you and I think it's Brother Bill. I look in the mirror and scare myself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> his daddy was one of my first mentors when I, I wasn't in the Lord. I just have to tell this one. This is true. I was an intern from YSU in the political science department. So my internship was with the city law department, right? His daddy was the director of the city law department. So here comes Frank, long hair, man, long hair, big beard, army coat, holes in my jeans, dirty tennis shoes. I'm coming to do an internship in the city law department, right? But I was good at what I did, so his daddy kept me. And, and, uh, and we had great talks. And one day, and I just, I'm, this was old Frank now. I'm just telling you, this was old Frank. I'm not, I'm not endorsing any CBDs or stuff like that. This was old Frank. But old Frank was in there, and, and uh, Brother Bill, he said, Amelia, come in here. He got me in his office. He says, son, are you high? Because my eyes were all red and bloodshot. They were like this. I said, I think so, sir. <laughs> and he said, that's what I thought. He says, don't come in here like that no more. I said, okay, okay. That was his daddy. That was his daddy, brother Bill. Great man of God and his mama. Boy, great people of God. Great people of God. Here's what I want to share with you. How many of you know, let's go to Romans 8, 29 real quick. 
and we're going to take an offering with this. But I'm going to teach you something a little different about the offering. I don't think you've heard this before. Romans 8, 29. For when he... For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Next verse. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Next verse. What then shall you say to these things? Is God for us, or who can be against us? All of that process... The predestination was your original seed. That's God putting that seed in you. You didn't know it. Nobody knew it. God knew who he predestined. Some people don't like that, but that's the word of God. So I'm accepting it. It's good. God didn't make a mistake with you. You just didn't happen upon who you are. After he predestined you, then he called you. He called you into a plan and purpose for the time that you live in right now. It's up to us to identify that call and then to walk into it. And then he justified you before Jesus Christ. For who you are. Then he sanctified you and set you apart, and then he glorified you. But here's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be those who are operating in the first fruit. And that's what I was doing with Genesis, but now I want to I shine it forward a little bit further to us. First Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 38. But God gives it a body and he has pleases and each seed is its own body. You know what he's talking about? The celestial, the sun, everything that's created has a seed. God's a creator. And one of the things that God's shown us that he loves about himself. How many of you know God loves himself? He's love. He can't help but love himself. And you're looking at me like, what, is he crazy? God loves himself. That's why he wants you to love yourself. Come on. Who made right. you in his image and his likeness? God loves himself. He can't help but love himself. And God loves it most, he tells us, his greatest attribute is when he creates. Let every living creature, oh, it was good. The plants, oh, it was good. He made man and woman, ooh, that was good. He made the heavens, ooh, God says that was good. He's letting us see his, his attribute of goodness when God praises himself. That's when you hear it. It's the only time you hear it. God praising himself. Ooh, that is good, is when he creates. So he created in you a seed. Come on. And when he created that seed in you, that seed was good, and it is good. Some of us have to make it good again. That's why we're reborn again. That's because we become new creations again. So we have good seed that somehow got fermented along the way. And God does it. He says good to you a couple times. One, when he first put that seed in you, and second, when you reborn that seed in you. And there's a third one, he says, bring forth and multiply. Multiply. And this is the first fruits. That seed's called the first fruits. That's your first fruits. It's your spiritual first fruits. Now we go to Malachi, and the Lord says, bring your first fruits into the storehouse. You see, and if you don't, he says it brings a curse upon you. Now, we understand that's part of our finances, but that's also our spiritual well-being. We're supposed to bring the first fruit of the seed that God has given us to him. God may make you really good at something. He wants you to devote that to him first in a call. And then use it for whatever else God gives it to use it for. 
whether it's a voice, whether it's working with your hands, whether it's teaching people, whether it's just loving somebody, whether it's edifying somebody, whether it's praising, whether it's being a good parent, whether it's being a good child, even if your parent wasn't good to you, it's all kind of good seed. But God takes that seed and then he blesses you with it and it, he says, multiply. Multiply. 